You're listening to the Guru's Book Club and Self-Improvement Podcast, hosted by Brian and Andy. And the quote of the day is, All the power you possess, no matter how great it is, is useful. Okay, I screwed that one up. Okay, okay, starting over. Starting over, you're going to cut out the first minute and a half of of this recording. Yes. Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Guru's Book Club and Self-Improvement Podcast, hosted by Brian and Andy. And the quote of the day is, all the power you possess, no matter how great, is useless if it does not bring you joy and does not bring peace and happiness to those you love. And that is from the foreword of The Art of Power by Thich Nhat Hanh. Pretty much that sums it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Book okay, done. that's it. Book done. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! I so I am such a Thich Nhat Hanh fan. I I'm so glad we're reading this book, and I I'm glad Brian that we're on this journey together with this book because it's so it's it's one of those ones that Thich Nhat Hanh is one of the people that I think during my spiritual journey influenced me the most. Him and another Buddhist monk. Uh, Pema Chodron, who was, she's a Tibetan um, monk or nun. She's a nun, nun. Mm-hmm. And Thich Nhat Hanh, but Thich Nhat Hanh, if you, if you have an opportunity, he has a podcast. He has so many uh, great things that are out there. Um, he's really part of the West now. So he's not, he's very um, familiar with our culture at this point. And there's so many things on YouTube. Like if you just Google Thich Nhat Hanh, you will find all sorts of really cool YouTubes with him in it. And amazing person. And then you have this quote. And if you think about, I mean, there's just so many juicy nuggets within this statement that sums up pretty much all of Buddhism. You know, um, so let's break it down. Let's break this quote down, right? I'll read yep. it one more time and then let, let's pick it apart. So all the power you possess, no matter how great, is useless if it does not bring you joy and does not bring peace and happiness to those you love. So uh, first, let, let's define the power that he's talking about here. Uh I mean, I, I think he's talking about the external and internal power here. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there on a branch and say he's really talking about um, wealth, professional success, physical strength, um, you know, political control, like like those kinds of things, right? That no matter how much power you hold in those realms. Um, that's useless. You know, the only power that's really useful is the power that brings you joy and brings peace and happiness to those you love. And I'm going to say, in addition, 
um, to those within your circle of influence. Not just those you love, because you maybe don't love everyone. I think in Buddhism and, and in most uh, religions, they teach to love everyone, but that's it's sometimes difficult. So. so it's interesting. So here's a couple concepts. Um, so the first thing he's talking about is exactly what you're talking about. And actually there's eight of them because then there's the reverse of them. Not having wealth, not having political power, not having good health. Those are the, those are the negatives. So there's eight of them. There's the first four that, and these are the root causes of suffering. And that's what the Buddha taught as well, was that these are root causes of suffering. These, these pieces, these are the things that give, give you your ego that you identify with as being of what joy and happiness is if you have these things. And then when you realize once you have them, they actually don't bring you the success or happiness or true joy, true happiness, true love. So that's what he's talking about right there. That's really interesting. So, you know, um, man, uh, so power. What are you going to do with it? It's not use. It's not useful. Not in the external things, right? Not in the external things. And that's the one thing he's bringing up. The power that you think that you have from wealth, from these these three other things, plus the negative, you know, the anti to them. Yeah. uh, They don't bring you power or they don't, or the lack of them doesn't bring you less power. You know, it's, it's it's a thought process that real things of this are internal and are not made of these. So it's that selfless and and that's actually that selfless piece where you realize that I am not these things. These things do not real bring. Yeah. These real things do not real bring real joy. They are out external things, items that will never and can never bring you joy. They just bring you varying degrees of suffering. And that's actually what the Buddha taught, that these things actually bring suffering. There's just varying degrees. We think that, oh, if I have money, that will bring me happiness. But at what point? Oh, wait. wait, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't get ever enough money to buy out everything. And even if you have all the money, it doesn't bring you friends. It doesn't, it actually, sometimes those people who are in these wealth situations, they are actually much more unhappy because they realize that with wealth comes everybody who wants that money and who looks at you yeah. as money. Are so people there's, there because they like you or are they there because they like the prestige? They like, you know, having access to things that you have access to because of the power, right? Or do they just want to get close to you so they can take advantage and maybe potentially get some of that money? You know, lots of different things. Or, you know, maybe, maybe though, like we're not saying that external power, that these things are bad. Okay. They're they're not. Even Thich Nhat Hanh in the the introduction, he he even says this, right? That actually successful um, 
like you can have success in these, but really especially success if you have that internal power and then, you know, people can use that external power for the greater good. You know, it's, it's not about right. taking and keeping power. It's about using the power in an effective and healthy manner, you know, so internally and externally. Right. And this it's the middle way. It's the middle way that neither one of these things. And the other principle here is this, the form of temporary happiness. They only bring temporary. They actually, what we say in Buddhism is they are just a temporary relief from suffering, but mm -hmm. it's actually just a temporary difference in suffering because you're still suffering in some way you're still you're still growing old you're still none of these things are preventing you from dying they don't bring you true happiness there's you know where the internal happiness the in, the, the anti to that is true happiness that is unlimited and that's what he's talking about when he talks about this so well um there's a so if you go to the uh, forward, and you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the forward and the introduction. Uh, this is our first podcast digging into the art of power by Thich Nhat Hanh. We uh, we we finished up the the twelve rules for life by Jordan Peterson in the last few, or last many podcasts. That was a long book, um, but uh, we're we're looking at at this book now, and we're diving into it. We're probably going to be reading this one to the end of November on through. December, we'll have a new book in the beginning of the new year, probably. Um, but, but you know, I'm I'm going to focus on on the introduction then and and uh, and the forward. But in the forward, uh, he goes into um, he, it's really cool. He he says basically that in many cases, you know, and when we don't use power correctly. Um, it's actually power possesses us, not us possessing power. He flips it. And I think that is so cool, right? Like we are actually not in the driver's seat. There's something else pushing and pulling us. The power is, is in control, not us. We're being dragged, you know? I think you're right. And that's the interesting thing about this is that his statement is that we, when we search externally for things, they never bring us the success or power that we want. They're always fleeting. Um, my example that I bring up, and I bring this up all the time, is uh, the newest the newest phone. We get the newest phone. We think that it's so wonderful and it has all these features. And then in, you know, in a year or less, it becomes the older phone. So at the time we think, oh, this brings me so joy. I got the newest thing. I got the newest gadget. And then it's fleeting. It, it, it disappears. You know, it, it could be dropped and broken. And now it's, oh, my broken phone, right? Yeah. Or... Or a speaker blows out on it, and now it's you know now it's a not a it's a worthless phone. So those are the things that are 
they're fleeting moments. And that's what he's talking about is, is that we can let power. We think that if we go and try to get power, we will real external power specifically. We will realize it's fleeting and we will always be in a pursuit. It will always be us. Um, who's the guy that's always trying to drink water. It's a Greek mythology person. I can't remember his name, I can't even. but I'm not, I'm not too. Do you know who I'm talking about? So there's this, there's this Greek, I can't remember the name of him. I, I would remember it, but I'm bringing him up because of the fact that he's always in search of water. Like he was, he's, uh, can't, he, he's always thirsty because he's always like, and he's close to the water, but it always retreats when he tries to grab it. And that's the same way with power. When you try to reach out for it and consume it and use it, it is fleeting. It's, especially external power where when you have internal power meaning that you generate it from an internal source and you use it for the benefit of others as well as yourself you realize that that is the real power being able to control your yeah. mind for instance yes there's a so you know i really like to to pick out little quotes and things from there there is um a quote um again in the foreword i th i think it's on 11 you know xi um uh where it says when we are not in control of our own thoughts we are actually quite powerless you know so the power of the mind the power of, of uh self-control deliberate action purposeful um choice uh you know that that is that is power and so you you work on controlling the inner power and then that actually can bring external power so um let's back up a little bit right before we we dive too far in you know um let's talk about Han, right he is the author of this book and you know i am i'm gonna be honest um as a as a therapist um I haven't really heard a lot of Tignahon or read a lot of his stuff. And so I was kind of astonished that I hadn't after reading, um, you know, the foreword and, and learning about Tignahon. Uh, the guy is pretty awesome. He so, is. Uh, born in 1926 in Vietnam. Um, you know, poor country and everything. It's kind of a war, war, war torn country. Um, uh, at the age of 16, he becomes a Buddhist monk. 16. But not only that, okay? <laughs> like this guy, if everyone had the ability to do what this guy did, uh, this world would be a very different place. So check this out. He's a Buddhist monk. He's a scholar. He's a poet. He's a writer. He's a reformer. He's a social activist. He has, in his lifetime, written and um, published more than a hundred books. I mean, how many of us in this world even read a hundred books in our lifetime, let alone write them, <laughs> right? That's crazy. Like this dude, um, you know, awesome, awesome. Um, you know, uh, he's the editor-in-chief of some things. He's, he's like starting these nonprofits and, and, 
and doing work with schools and poverty and, you know, um, crazy cool stuff. 1966, he's an, um, he's basically an ambassador. doesn't say he was an ambassador, but he came to the U.S. in 1966 and called for peace. In 1967, he's nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 19- who, he met, who he met. Yeah. Who he met, right? Who probably influenced Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. greatly. You know, I, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was was quiet about the peaceful approach of being mindful and and um, was an activist. 1973, Thich Nhat Hanh is exiled from Vietnam. Like he can't go back. He's an enemy of the state because of his outspokenness, because of his desire for peace, right? And he's not doing it in a bad way. He's just calling attention to the things that are wrong, right? People are abusing power in his home. Okay. Um, So he's exiled from his home and he's like now living in like the West. And by the West, we're not just meaning the United States, like Europe and all that. He's like going around, he's teaching and he's doing all this cool stuff. Um, He uh, forms a, a... Basically, uh, what would what would you call Plum Village? It's a um, Buddhist commune. A Buddhist commune. Okay. So he's like the head of this Buddhist commune in uh, France, southwestern France, a place called Plum Village. And he's like there, like that's like his home base, but he's like gone all the time teaching, right? And writing books and writing poetry and you know all these all these things. Guy never sleeps, but he probably does. I mean, more than everyone else, I imagine that's how he accomplishes as much as he does actually. Right. Anyways, that's besides the point. Sorry, listeners, get more sleep to get more done. Yes. Period. Don't cut sleep. If you have the choice to go to the gym or get sleep, get sleep. Remember burnout. Okay. If you don't remember burnout, go back and listen to our podcast about that. All right. Sorry, Andy. That's I... <laughs> good. That's good. That's good. Squirrel. Oh, Squirrel. If you want, if you want power, internal power, you need sleep. You need to recharge yes. that battery. All right. Yes. Okay. Basics. Sp- spoken Basically, from a man with a one-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I right. I mean, anyone with kids um, that took their kids seriously and took parenting seriously uh, knows that. You just don't get a lot of sleep. And when you don't get a lot of sleep, you're probably not as good of a parent as you could be. Let's get real. Right? And we look at it like, oh, oh, man, I made so many mistakes. It's like, yeah, it's because you weren't sleeping. <laughs> Guarantee. True, true. Get more sleep. You're a better parent. So, <laughs> yeah. Even now as, you know, as you as like kids grow up, like you, you just get sleep. You can handle them better. Okay. Sorry, listeners, for that. Um, so he, he he has this. Uh, I think they refer to it like it's Hermitage, in uh, in 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 Plum Village, uh, southwestern France, right? His home base. But he's still like going around. Um, mind you, he is still exiled. He does not make it back to his home country until two thousand and five. First time in thirty nine years. I'm going to round that up. Basically, 40 years, he's not allowed 
to go to his home country where there's probably many loved ones and people there. Like, do we, like, and I didn't look into this, but, like, did his family, like, his parents, siblings, were they all still there? Did they die there? Was he not able to go to their funerals? Was he not able to be in contact with them other than, like, through letter or phone? You know, like, some serious... I mean, we think exile, you know, and he's he's away, but like that's some serious implications there if you really think about it. Today's day and age, you have Facebook and stuff like that, but like back then, yeah. I mean, that's sad. I think he did bring some of his family with him to Plum Village, but yeah. Okay, I would hope so for his sake, right? But uh, anyways, so he he can't go back. Um, but even though he can't go back, he's doing all this cool uh work there with schools and, and healthcare and you know awesome guy um so th so there you go so that is that is Tiknot Han he is uh at the time of the writing of this version of the book um and I am not exactly sure when this version came out uh, I could look it up real quick, but um, it was copyrighted in 2007. But I'm not sure when this was uh, written with the foreword and everything. Either way, um, at the time of this version of the book that I have came out, he was in his ninth, yeah, his ninth decade. He's in his 90s, folks, and he's still going around teaching people. He's amazing. Yeah. He had a well, stroke too as well. And he's doing him, and he didn't stop him. He got it's amazing. They thought he was going to die and he was recovered he's recovered and started teaching again. So and think about the quality of life that he probably has in his 90s. Despite having a stroke. Very interesting. Uh, well, I, I think I, I, a very I, mindful. I think he feels like he's on the earth for this purpose. And I think that's well, what drives him. Well, he's figured out the power balance, right? He know like, we want to talk about external power. He's influencing leaders of the world, right? That that's that's something to get back to. So this book is based off of he was invited to a consortium of people uh, uh, of uh, le world financial leaders and they asked him to give a discussion a gave a speech to them and that kind of spawned this whole book interesting is that does that is that written in some of the book i don't remember reading that oh yeah it was in it's in the audible version oh he talks about it or maybe i just uh missed it it's okay. uh, that's interesting though yeah that's why the book was kind of coming out is that it was based off of a discussion that he had that he gave like a speech interesting oh okay it's like on the second page of the the foreword so yeah. mm -hmm. uh, he was at the world economic forum yep. where it said committed to improving the state of the world <laughs> and uh he kind of I don't know if you put them in their place, but he probably did. 
I think he did it in a way that was loving and peaceful, which is the way that he really does it, which is teaching from the heart and from what he knows is really the root source of true happiness and love and how we can change the world through that. Mm -hmm. Through help, you know, not only from internal finding internal power for yourself, but also helping others get that same power and love and compassion. And that is what bodhisattvas do, which is uh, that's a peaceful warrior, a spiritual warrior in Buddhism. And that's kind of what he's talking about here is having the ability to not only help yourself, but others. And in, in that, that um, capacity of realizing that you go internal and then helping others, you remove a lot of the suffering from your life by doing it. Wow. And removing suffering, right? That's like, I mean, everyone suffers. There's always a certain amount of suffering. The world is, you know, from a Buddhist perspective, it's called samsara, the world of suffering, because mm -hmm. you're always just in some different place of suffering, just like the wealth and non-wealth. You're on the spectrum somewhere. Either, either you have money or you don't have any money. So you're on the spectrum somewhere. So you're always in this state of flux and how easy it is. You know, I, I always think of um, what's the power company that they were um, starts with an E anyway, during the two thousands, they had that huge, that company that took everybody's uh, retirement Enron? and run. Yeah. And run. Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, they had taken everybody's money. And during those times, those people thought that they were working for great companies and they had were establishing wealth and 401k programs. And then just like that, it was all gone. And I've known people that actually had that. They had to go back to work. They were about ready. To, they were going, I think some, one of them was going to retire or was about ready to retire. And they had to go back to work full time because they had lost yeah. all of their savings. And that's just the way the fleeting way of suffering, that's the way suffering is. It's, it's always there, it's always around. There's just um, varying degrees of it, you know, just like non-wealth versus wealth. You're always on the spectrum somewhere. Health or not well, healthy, you're always you on the can't. spectrum somewhere. Well, and you can't put all your eggs into one basket, right? Right. Like, and obviously that is, that is something that's like huge and kind of like an anomaly, I guess, you know, like how often does that type of thing uh, actually happen? You know, <laughs> it doesn't, but it's, but it, the, the statement is it's just every time that you have some money, it's, it's easily taken. Yeah. It's always temporary. Everything is always change in every moment. And that's where he's going is, is that every moment is a new moment because the next moment you have no control over and you have no control over the past or the future. So all you have control is now and what is now. And right. it's not that money itself is bad. It's the fact that you're always chasing it yeah. to bring, to find happiness and in itself is the suffering because you will never obtain what you think you're going to obtain. And it's fleeting when you do get it. What was that? Um, so that reminds me of, of a book that it, it kind of talked about a second death or the first death. And then there's a second death. And he was talking about um, 
kind of like emotionally detaching from things so that if something happens, um, it's already technically happened for you. So it's not as painful. So like the first death, you, you imagine yourself with no money. You imagine yourself that all the money that you've made, all the things that you have gone, wiped out, whatever, you know, stolen, whatever it is. Uh, savings lost because of Enron. And you imagine how you respond. You know, obviously that would be difficult. I'm not saying that you're going to be happy about it. No, that's not realistic. But uh, you kind of have this this first death, this, this visualization of this happening, and you have chosen the way you want to respond. So if anything like that happens, you you will be okay. It might be challenging. Again, it will be it will be maybe heartbreaking, and you've already experienced that emotional death, right? So to speak. And so I'm thinking, like, how does that apply here? You know, when we're talking about detaching from things and, and looking for internal power. And then, you know, using what any external power you have, because it may be fleeting. How do you use that in the moment for the greater good for yourself and for others? And realizing that's the only way the true enlightenment is to, you know, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. So it's just so mm -hmm. very important to remember that it's that we live in constant change. Mm -hmm. And that these things that we think are going to bring us happiness and power are not going to yeah. because they can no, easily change on you. Yeah. Now let's, you know, not every listener is going to be like, well, I want just enlightenment, right? Some people might not want that at all. And their goal is very different right now. I would tell that listener that uh, you're going to have a rude awakening at some point. <laughs> be ready. Um, uh, but, you know, for those listeners that are listening to this, and, you know, maybe they're like, well, I want that external power, though. You know, okay. That, there's nothing wrong with that, but are you going to let it corrupt you? Going to bring you down eventually? Is it going to force you to sacrifice important relationships? Or are you going to lose, um, you know, respect from others? Getting that? Like, so, like, think about this. Um, there is another quote. It says, the ability to attain any goal is absolutely contingent on the condition and quality of the mind. And I think that that's what, if you're saying, hey, I want to pursue power, there's nothing wrong with saying, I want to be a powerful person. But realize where the power is coming from. And that's what he keeps constantly. Power comes from the mind that is able to have patience, to have compassion, to have love, to have, you know, internal sense of self. Yeah. Um, that is where the true power comes from. And so people that want to pursue, this is like the book for people who want to pursue power, but it's knowing that it's not in the external things that you have been chasing after. It's in a different way. And that is how you gain the power. You so this is those things naturally is what I hear you saying correct you're, you're obtaining them through internal ways and methodologies of changing the mind 
And then that is where the true power is, is by, you said something very important, being able to respond instead of react. That's a huge goal right there. That's where the true power is being able to respond in times of, you know, somebody's need, being able to respond instead of react to situations that you do not like, or to, you know, to anything like that, that needs a, that if you can take a step back, be mindful and realize what's truly happening, that you can accept what is, or you can do something to change it, but in a very good positive response, in a loving response, in a compassionate response, in a patient response. That's where the true power comes. I'm going to, I'm going to say this and I want you to give me some real feedback. Be mm -hmm. honest. Does this book not feel like a better version of the power of now? This is the, this is where he got it from. So this is Buddhism. Okay. This is Zen Buddhism and Zen Buddhism is where, where he came. He Westernized Zen Buddhism. That's what I believe. That's, what he did okay. well i'm i'm just while reading the power of now and, and listeners if you go back to like some of the earlier um podcasts uh that we had on i'm talking like early early uh last year yeah like we had we had like we've changed the name of the podcast slightly right. okay but um basically uh we we read power of now and I I honestly feel like that, and, and and Andy describes it as well. It's you know philosophers, they're they're trying to to defend what they're saying, and they're going at it from every angle and re-emphasizing things over and over again from different points of view and whatnot to like, you know, like this is this is why my my position should stand, kind of thing. I honestly. I felt like the guy was kind of on a like an ego trip, honestly. That's interesting <laughs> really that you like say that. Yeah, and his and his stuff a little bit more. Like we're talking about the power of now, um, or the art of power. It's like I can already feel like there's a little bit more of a humbleness in this book as compared to the power of now, if that makes sense. Well, here's here's the thing, and this is um my opinion of Eckhart Tolle is, and I've seen a lot of this, is that he's become a very spiritual writer. And the book is all about his journey into and understanding the power of now. So the concepts themselves are very powerful. He did have a life-changing experience, and he wanted to describe what he did and how he did it. Um where what this is coming from is Buddhist teachings. He, where Eckhart Tolle is maybe using Buddhism mm -hmm. as a, here's the, you know, the correct way. And here's some stuff that I learned that helped me when I was down and out mm -hmm. where Buddhist teachings are coming from the Buddha in a lineage that gets taught from monk to monk since you know uh 1500 bc so you're talking 3500 years of lineage teachings 
and him being able to spend all of his life since he was 16 and probably further before that because he was you know something got him into buddhism um of being able to meditate and learn the zen buddhist ways which is about mindfulness and consistently being in that space he and there will be further points in the book where he explains that further about what that means to him and what yeah. he had to learn to be able to become more mindful as a monk just as a monk being able to learn these and he uses them very sparingly a good teacher can give you um, some analogies from their own life to help you understand it but it's mostly about the teachings and that's where um, yeah. most buddhist teachers that's what they're doing is they're teaching the principles that buddha taught and maybe in a new different way and that's kind of where he's at where i think Eckhart Tolle was more disguising describing he had this epiphany read my book yeah well either way it's just my opinion <laughs> no it's perfectly fine it's perfectly fine and i think intentions are a little different here and i honestly have seen Eckhart Tolle and i always thought he was a little bit um full of himself bless his heart He's, he's still he's he's doing not the best that he can in a tough world. I think you're <laughs> you know? right. Aren't I think you're all? right. I, I think to, you're right. I don't want to like be judgy. That's not I don't like thing. to be. I don't like to be judgy, but it's an interesting statement because um, this book is coming from pure intention of being able to help you. And what his and he's teaching Buddhism very zen buddhist of course yeah. um which is definitely a little different than the buddhism that i study but it's just it's, it's just a varying degree of it yeah. but zen buddhism is he's teaching mindfulness and patience and being able to mindfully walk mindfully drink mindfully eat mindfully pick up a fork mindfully put you know all this yeah. mindfulness of being able to be realizing that all of the power is in the here and the now and he says that consistently because it was a buddha's it's it's been taught as a lineage teaching and yeah. now he's just writing it down for you to consume as western this is something that has been taught from in buddhism for years and years and years he's now teaching it in a way that is able to go along with his western audience and that makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. because um, uh, the Western world is not Buddhist for the most part, right? I mean, people right. are, are Buddhist. I'm not Buddhist. You know, I didn't grow up with any. I mean, I had a one of my very best friends. His family were Buddhist. Um, in fact, I think the mom went and, and was like in a monastery for like a, ye a year or something like that, doing something with the dad. I don't remember exactly. Um, but this was always something. Maybe, and you know, I don't necessarily want to go off into this because uh, we're not we're not trying to make this this podcast. Uh, oh no, a religious kind of thing, but it is spiritual. And, and listeners, if you're like, well, what's the difference? You know, go back and listen to some of the other podcasts. We do talk about this. But, um, you know, spirituality is a main component of being human. And you can be atheist and be very spiritual. Um, you can be extremely religious and not spiritual. Um, it, it's really about being connected to something bigger than you and having found your purpose. That is spirituality. And you can have purpose without believing in God, right? You can have purpose without believing in 
um, anything. You know, like, why do you live? Well, you could go into the Buddha. You know, the Buddha's, in my opinion, what this is, is ancient wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to take a look at this, is not just Buddhist text, even though it's interesting. And it is, you know, it's very consumable and very easy for people to listen to. But um, what I like about it is that it's ancient wisdom. He's not teaching anything that's off of what, you know, Christianity is um, telling you. He, you know, Jesus said, love one another, turn the other cheek. And Buddhists just said it in a different way. It's ancient wisdom being able to be used in a current time to make your life better. And that's what a spiritual journey is, is it's finding or a journey of anything in this realm, mental self-awareness, self-development, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. It is about a journey and finding tools that will help you. And that's what, when we talk about um, therapy, that's exactly what therapy is. Therapy is a form of helping you mentally acquire skills and tools mm -hmm. so that you can live a happier life. And that's what all this is, is just tools. And that's what it really was for me. And that's why it was so life profoundly changing was yeah. that what Buddhist philosophy did for me and Buddhism, it helped ground me and give me that ancient wisdom in a different way that I resonated with. And it helped me change my life because of it. Now, am I'm I perfect? No, whatever, not perfect. Whatever can change. <laughs> well, of course not. And yeah, if you yeah. think about it, was Buddha's life perfect? Probably not. No, he was the son of a king. He was the son of a king. And the thing that brought him to Buddhism was he realized that, um, you know, because then it wasn't Buddhism. It was just nothing because he wasn't enlightened yet. But um, so what brought him on his journey, his spiritual journey, was the fact that he grew up in this extravagant wealth and all of that and realized that when he was being sheltered from all of the outside world, that there has to be something that stops the suffering that even the, the great wealth that he was cannot provide, you know, anything from death. It can't prevent death. It can't prevent sickness. And when he started seeing these things, he was like, oh, there has to be more to this and understanding and help. And then he wanted to help himself, but also help other people understand the root of this. And that's where he came up with, you know, the enlightenment story. So if you, very interesting story about the Buddha's enlightenment, but um, but it was all about the journey of being able to become self-aware. And and the purpose of being self-aware, listeners, um, I mean, to everyone, it might be a little bit different. You know, the purpose of being self-aware for some would be enlightenment in and of itself, right? That is mm -hmm. that is the goal. For well, that's all enlightenment is. That's all enlightenment yeah. is. It's just self-awareness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, self-awareness i mean what does it do it, it's going to lead to better relationships it's going to lead to greater I mean, we're talking about this art of power it's going to lead to greater internal power meaning better self-control so you're going to have probably a healthier body better schedule keeping better boundaries with people that like to push boundaries you're probably going to have a greater understanding of the way negative events have impacted you and affected you how it's shaped your view of the world and then you can actually choose 
what to do based on that self-awareness, right? Like, so again, there's just, there's more um, ability to shape and form your world around you to be in a way that it is uh, impactful. And I like to say life is coping, right? Life is dealing with struggle. Life is dealing with with challenges. And if you can be self-aware, you know, those things that come your way won't be at that level that, I mean, it doesn't have to be as difficult as it is. Life doesn't have to be as difficult as it is. It's still going to be difficult, but we make it worse sometimes in our approach. And usually it's not a mindful approach. Well, right. It's, it's to be able to accept the things that have happened and change the things that you can. And in that, he really speaks a lot about um, the here and the now, which is the the same as the power of now. It is that moment, the moment that you have the ability to respond to the way that life has all of life has culminated to this moment, and that is all you have. Mm-hmm. And having that understanding that 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 you it's your choice to respond or react. Um, and accept or not accept or decide on different things. That's the self-awareness. And those are the things that you can control. And that's what brings you the, the power is the being able to control oneself and its thoughts is the most important thing. That's where real power resides is being able to control yourself in moments of really harsh times or in even good times, being able to control your mind and and see it as it is, see the world as it is. So, and that's coming. That's exactly what he's teaching. So yeah. it's, it's an old. So we're going to learn it's that. It's very Buddhist. Yeah, it's very Buddhist. Right? Everyone's um, like, all the listeners are probably like, yeah, okay, I get it. We need internal power, but how? <laughs> well, that's, and that's that. the great thing about the book is that these introductions, <laughs> knowing where he came from, is really important because then you can really uh, empathize with his journey, you know, he was part of Vietnamization. He was a product of it. Um, French first moved in. He saw the need to, in a healthy way, protest mm-hmm. and be a soldier of change. Start a and revolution. Start a revolution in Wait, love and peace through peace. Believe in. Yeah. So he, he, he saw it and he saw it and was able to, and he has an outstanding life. He's met Martin Luther, you know, many presidents. He's met Martin Luther King back when he, junior, when he was still alive. He's been part of several very healthy protests because he, he definitely believed that there was another peaceful way of, of living and standing up for his beliefs. So knowing that that's what he's done in his life, you can respect who he was as a person but then also what he's bringing to the table is ancient wisdom that can be shared for you and your journey oh, listeners. Awesome. And yeah. right. And, and that's the big thing is, is all of these books are just about, maybe you just grab some principles that might help you in your journey today. And maybe next year you read the book again and it gives you some more or another book that, that we've, that we're choosing that gives you some more insights into your own self development and self-awareness and then you're able to use them and be more peaceful and loving and you know that's what we're here for so 
Um, that's all I have to say. And I think I've been jabbering about the jabbering about this because I definitely don't want to come across like I'm pushing, you know, Oh yes, I'm a Buddhist meditation teacher. Yes. That is what I do. That is what I do. Your life experience, you know, right. I do. And there's a reason why I got here is yeah. And and that's the reason why I got here was because um, I feel like really connected to what Thich Nhat Hanh specifically and other Buddhist teachings I really resonate with that. So I have definitely am an advocate because it has helped change my life, to be honest with you. So that because of that, that is the reason why I am very pro what his intentions are and what he's talking about. I think that's great. And you need to speak your truth, you know, Mm -hmm. like what you, what you have experienced in your life is meaningful and has brought you to where you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, the awesome, the spiritual, you know, all of that. And, and right. the, the teachings uh, within Buddhism, right, have greatly impacted your life. Yeah. And, that, and needs, it, that needs to be shared and celebrated. And I listeners, so. whatever, whatever your life journey has been, right, even if your situation right now sucks, right, if you're like, my situation sucks, that's why I'm listening to this, I need to change, okay? I actually want you to, like, and, and you know, Thanksgiving, you know, that very Western American uh, uh, United States holiday. Uh, You know, it's about gratitude. Maybe express some gratitude for the journey you've been on, even if it's been difficult. Maybe you can make some meaning out of it. Suffering is, is only meaningless if you choose it to be. What's interesting is I was reading this thing and it was a, a Christian quote. And it said, um, because I wanted to understand love, he, God gave me a situation where people did not love me. Um, so he's always, the, the journey comes always from the hardest times. The best lessons are from the hardest times because they make you appreciate those things. Being able to journey into love and into a better, more powerful life for yourself comes from a place to where you feel weak and being able to build power in the right ways. And I think that it's always through these, that's the best lessons is because if you had it easy, you probably wouldn't be really worried about self-awareness or self-development because yeah it would be boring and you would be like oh i don't need to worry about that everything's been given i don't need to worry so kind of be meaningless honestly yeah but because because obstacles and we live in a world of suffering at all times because of the obstacles we're able to learn and appreciate much more because you appreciate because you used to when you are the have not you have understand and can much more when you do have when you are somebody who has something so you know you have much more appreciation for the have-nots and being because you were there so it's those interesting things you have empathy for that Mm -hmm. but you also have true you know how did i get out of those situations and yeah i'm sure that as a therapist that's why people are coming to you they're like i i don't want to live like this anymore and they want to change that habit of mind that has led them to this place of feeling powerless in a lot of cases unhappy is a is a strong statement 
And there's a way of be throwing those mechanisms of you can try to strive to become more joyful because then you have much more gratitude for that experience. And it's more permanent too, because you're able to realize through that journey, how to give more permanency to happiness and joy and love. Amen. Well, I have nothing else to add. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. So, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for um, going along with this journey. You know, we're we're reading again the Art of Power by Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, we are just getting into it. There's like 217 pages if you got the the version that I have um, on uh, Audible. You know, on no page numbers there, but uh, we just discussed the foreword and the introduction and we're going to get into chapter one and uh you know we'll see how far we get in the next week uh with with thanksgiving and different uh things going on but um you know read with us join us in this journey and uh send us some emails comments on um instagram you know um we'd love to hear from you uh gurus podcast one at gmail.com gurus.podcast on instagram twitter and all that so uh reach out look forward to hearing from you you bet